I'm looking forward to hearing how you defend Morning Glory. All right, fine. Let's get into it. Oh, we're gonna do. Are we gonna do that right now? You want to knock that out? They can do that also. Yeah, I figure you. You probably have ten minutes prepared. I can just sit back and listen to you <laughs> complaining about this fairly, you know, charming old-fashioned movie. Hmm. Old-fashioned. So you're a fan of our morning program? Oh, yeah. I think it has so many Yeah, uh, yeah. We know it's terrible. Things. Perpetually in fourth place behind the Today Show, Good Morning America, and the thing on CBS, whatever it's called. It's a source of constant humiliation. Last year in the Network Softball League, the CBS team wore hats that said, at least we're not daybreak. The actors of the show are uh, difficult and semi Oh, I think Colleen Peck is a pro. Heinous. Uh, Paul McVie is a... Fine reporter. Foul. Okay. Is Daybreak a shitty show? Yes. But it's on a network. And not just any network. This is one of the most legendary news divisions in the entire history of television. Daybreak just needs someone who believes in it, who understands that a national platform is an invaluable resource that no story is too low or too high to reach for. Are you gonna sing? Uh, old fashioned in the sense that uh, this does not get a theatrical release. <laughs> this is maybe straight to Netflix, but I probably I assume that Rachel McAdams. I mean, she'd be a big enough star, but uh, I think everything else is probably skewing too old for what I see from the Netflix rom coms. They seem to go a little bit uh, <clears throat> teen bop, I guess. A little bit seems to be very young when they put these things out. So. Yeah, I think this is an old-fashioned uh, type of rom-com that, uh, unlike Zack and Mary, doesn't have like an incredible high concept. I actually don't <laughs> – I have no idea what the marketing was for this, but uh, <laughs> kudos to J.J. Abrams for stepping out and producing this and then running back to copying <laughs> Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, okay, so if you say old-fashioned, meaning it's like breakfast at Tiffany's, where it's weirdly offensive and you can't hmm. understand why this is something that people like. I'll, I'll go with you on that. I've never seen Breakfast at Tiffany's, but I have seen the memes. So <laughs> there's nothing that offensive, right? Well, did I miss Did I miss somebody? You're, you're, in... are, 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 you're just joking, right? Was there someone like in blackface in this movie? I don't understand. No, no, no. Well, yes, it's not blackface, but it's the idea that um, Good Morning America type journalism is – really what's more important than true journalism. Um, the idea that this cantankerous man that doesn't want to do a morning show with uh, Kathy Lee Gifford, essentially, um, is wrong for that. He's made the villain of the piece because he mm -hmm. has standards and he wants to <laughs> – of course, you're on board right away. Yeah. <laughs> so that is the bad guy. So Harrison Ford is clearly the bad guy because he's playing Charlie Rose. Hey. And we saw how that worked out, sir. <laughs> he was a villain. In that way. Um, but this made me, from the initial setup, think of broadcast news right away. Love broadcast well, news. Well, that's, that's your mistake. All right. <laughs> so in liking that movie or starting to compare it in my mind? Yeah, I often come in like, oh, too fast, too furious. Well, this better be bullet. If it's not bullet, then fuck it. It's not that it needed to be that. But so much of the setup was very similar to that, but prettier and more mm -hmm. Hollywood um, than broadcast news was. And the sort of 
one of the big jokes in the movie and broadcast news because that movie gets very broad. If you think of anything that Joan Cusack does in the movie, it's really, really broad. A lot of physical comedy, yeah. Um, but you have Jack Nicholson's face when he does that story that's beneath him. When he had the William Hurt's character had the one good story, and then he follows it up, and he does something that's just, you know, it's very typical of where news was heading at that time. And so there's no reaction on his face, completely stale. And we get that equivalent in Harrison Ford's reactions to the stories about – 15 times, I think. And it's just, they keep going back to the same well over and over and See, over and over again. That is the stuff that worked for me. I actually wanted that. I wanted this to be like hostile, except it was Harrison Ford being forced to sit through it and we're sitting through it with him. I, I yeah. like seeing him uh, pained. I like the, seeing him cantankerous. The only joke like that that worked for me. And it was just, I, I was just looking for something to enjoy, I guess at that moment where it finally got to me was probably the sex offender underneath Jimmy Carter's picture. I enjoyed that for a moment, and that was really about it. I thought about putting I, that on Instagram, but I knew no one would have any idea what the fuck I was talking about if I did now so. watching. Yeah. But, okay, so going back to the opening credits of the movie, I, I'm sure you picked up on this, but they had lens flares during the opening credits. There's Abrams. You, was that a way that the director was kind of making fun of Abrams? Uh, because he was producing it a tip of the hat, or was that something that he demanded? I think it was insisted upon. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the director here is it Robert Mitchell? Uh, yes, Notting Hill like director. Yeah. Uh, I actually was looking over his filmography, and um, I, I mean, for the most part, uh, I think this one kind of sticks out. I mean, I just mentioned Notting Hill, which you would think would be like that's why he has this gig. But like in between Notting Hill, he did Changing Lanes with Ben Affleck and Sam Jackson, yep. a thriller. He did Enduring Love uh, with uh, Daniel Craig and uh, the goofy guy from Notting Hill, also being very goofy, if you saw Enduring Love. Um, he did something called Venus with Peter O'Toole. So it's got Peter O'Toole, so... Hmm. I'm assuming it's not Morning Glory, which came after that mm, one. But, but you would assume Morning Glory wouldn't be Morning Glory because it has Diane Keaton and Harrison Ford, Rachel McAdams, and Patrick Wilson. You, you would Man, assume it I would love be Patrick Wilson. He's a I he. <laughs> he I, I think is like the movie star version of me, as far as <laughs> <laughs> what the, the career I would want to have. Like, I mean, obviously, you'd want to be like. Uh, you know, you'd want to be a bigger star or, you know, have more acclaim. But if I'm really just trying to square up for like, you know, a solid double or a hard hit single, I think Patrick Wilson's career would be all right with me. I think I think it's a great career. Well, I just always like when he shows up. Like, you know, when I, yeah. I'm like, oh, he's in this movie. That's it's going to be great. I'm going to be in good hands for about 10, 15 <laughs> minutes here while Wilson's well, on screen. You, you think so, but not always. Well, I mean, there is the gratuitous ass shots of Rachel McAdams, which is something that did stick with me in this film, which <laughs> plays even more gratuitous, giving how like almost like TV movie, like sort of like Saturday afternoon, like just on like TBS or something. This movie feels like like mm -hmm. the, the fact that there is like a sexual life for any character in this movie uh, strikes me as odd. It's almost like sci fi like these. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this is very Truman Show esque, where it's like the the curtains move and the camera just drifts off. Like, I I don't really know what the I don't really know what they were going for here. Like, I 
I see this movie as like fine, but it's mainly due to Rachel McAdams, and it actually just kind of makes me feel bad instead of good. And that's <laughs> that's looking at it <laughs> because this came out in was it 2010, mm-hmm. and I look at this one as like her far less successful version of what Gosling did in Crazy Stupid Love, where it's like mm. you had these two actors, both from The Notebook, which was, I think, like 2004. And it seemed like both actors had no interest in, like, playing the game of, like, oh, these are going to be our next, like, movie stars. And right. they just, like, kind of, I guess, just did stuff that they were interested in. But they definitely didn't, like, ascend to, like, they're in a bigger movie, now a bigger movie, a bigger movie. Um, they didn't do the Affleck post Goodwill Hunting thing. Where just, you know, <laughs> there was no Armageddon right away. No Armageddon. No Pearl Harbor. You know, one-two punch. Uh, no attempt to be Jack Ryan that failed. Like you know, all of that. And that's respectable. But I think Rachel McAdams is so good at just being naturally charming that when I watch this, I'm like, I would like to see her in roles like this in better movies. I completely, I, I, yes, she's great, but she's not good enough to elevate this film. And they're all good. These are all good actors that are in this. Um, it's just, it's, I think that it's really just really bad writing a lot of the time. There's all these gags in it that are just irritating, um, that <clears throat> I can't get over every time the, the news station, do you remember what it's called? No. It's called IBS. Oh yeah, I was like, I thought it was a, uh, I was going for like a, a like a nutshot type thing. I was like, was it something to do with the balls? Oh no, <laughs> bowel movements. Like <laughs> bowel movement, and it's not just a throwaway joke. They have IBS on the screen, like pretty much every second or third scene, every you know, every other scene or so. They have that joke. They keep going back to it, and it's just I. Oh God, it's so distracting. Were they like that, really afraid of like what happened to that show Archer on FX <laughs> where they were ISIS and <laughs> and then <laughs> this horrible gathering of uh, young gentlemen out in the desert like decided to <laughs> use that moniker to do horrible things. So they're like, you know what? We're going to safeguard IBS. No terrorist organization <laughs> worth its salt is going to go with that one. Maybe it was just safeguarding. On JJ's part, I think I think you're being kind. Do you, th- do you I, like I how I'm blaming all of the uh, the the bad things in this movie on Mr. Abrams? Well, I, that's kind of what I was thinking in a way that this is the Abrams version of broadcast news. That this is that filtered down version of it, in much in the same way Friends was the you know executives version of Seinfeld. You mm. know where they're like, oh, let's do that same thing, but let's make it prettier. And so they did the same thing, made it prettier and missed the point. And that's why this movie is so offensive to me, especially the time we're in right now. God damn. It's, well, it's just gross. Come on. I mean, this is, you know, presumably going into production. Uh, Obama's been elected first mm-hmm. term. Let's, <laughs> let's not hold that, <laughs> that optimism against it, that uh, America was solved. <laughs> as we all thought. No, it didn't feel solved even then. It felt like shit was still going sideways. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, you know, but that was that was all in the past. You know, it was trying to project out just like it was projecting out that there wouldn't be no <laughs> no IBS network, that things would be better <laughs> down the road. And I'm not going to hold that against it. 
Uh, all right, let's let's switch gears to something far more fucking negative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like basically, um, I guess going back over the dead carcass uh, <laughs> that is what Jay Leno's reputation and David Letterman's like one true dream for his life that died. Yeah. Coverage with some new jokes. Then they won't let us on the goddamn air. Motherfuckers in news fucking us again. Warren, they're letting this go on. He's not going to finish by 11. I swear to you, I'm sending my audience home if you don't get this over on time. No, I'm not losing it. You said you had this under control. Look, a pause right there. They could have cut him off. Get me Gartner in Houston. God damn it. It's 11 p.m. in the east right now. Mr. Gartner, phone for you. Helen Kushnick on the line. Yeah, Gartner here. You promised me you'd be off by 11, you shithead. I'm going live tonight so we can get some payoff from your horseshit convention coverage. I'm accommodating you by giving Brokaw airtime with Jay. Now you get this gas bag Reagan off the air now, or I'm not using Brokaw tonight. I don't give a shit if you use Brokaw tonight or any other night, lady, and let's get something straight. I am the president of NBC News. You don't have anything to do with what I do. I'm taking you off the air this time, you pompous ass. There's only one person who can take me off the air, Bob Wright. I'll give you his number. Call him. I don't need to call Bob fucking Wright. I'll send my audience home, and then you can call him and explain why the Tonight Show wasn't on the fucking air, because the news asshole couldn't get a horseshit speech off on time. I I think this one's better than when it came out, because this was, what, 96 when this came out? It was really quick. It was right after this happened. It's a TV movie, right? So they can. It was they can, HBO, I think, right? Well, turn... it had to be all, all the fucks in it. That's the only network it could have been on. Well, yeah. I mean, you're gonna bring in Kathy Bates, so that's uh, that's not going to CBS. That's not <laughs> <laughs> going out after 60 minutes. Yeah, quick turnaround. This looks like a TV movie. Uh, I think it actually works for it, especially watching this next to Morning Glory because I did like a true back to back with these. Yeah. So so did I with these. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, this just looks more like <laughs> what TV. I expect. Yeah, TV than Morning Glory, which you know has that one really obnoxious shot, which I had to remember, like because I'd only seen it the one time, and I'm like, well, that's good enough to send it to Chris. <laughs> I saw this back in 2010 of Rachel McAdams like running with like birds, like in slow mo. She's like running back to the office, mm-hmm. like just some just really obnoxious stuff in there. Uh, but it's a cute movie, <sighs> cute movie. Not opening that door again. Uh, Chris is wrong. It's perfectly fine. <laughs> Late Shift, I wonder if I've watched this. Um, I'm pretty sure I, like, was into it uh, when it came out uh, just because I was, like, really into, like, Letterman at that time. Yeah. But I bet I didn't really care for it that much because at that point, I think I wanted it to be bigger, be better, be more defensive, like, as this, Mm -hmm. like, ultimate defense of Letterman. And now I'm watching it now. Like, you kept basically holding, uh, holding court with uh, morning glory about how, how bad it's aged considering its take on the news <laughs> industry. I think the late shift is the opposite. And then it works better in that, uh, this shit, you know, it's just a squabble between two rich guys yep. over having like one has maybe arguably a slightly better job just in the title, <laughs> but the other one was paid more. And, uh, in the long run, you know, it actually worked out in favor of Letterman, not only for reputation wise, but, as they say, they actually say in the, this film, you know, he owned the show. So yeah. all, all that shit that, you know, anything that pops up on YouTube, that's all his. He owns Lockstock. 
so I'm watching it now and I'm just like, I don't, I don't feel it's as important. And I think I can just have more fun with it than when it was like raw. I don't feel, yeah, I, you're, you're right. I was definitely connected to the Letterman side of things and felt like he got the raw deal and it was, you know, I wanted that sort of vindication for him and watching this movie at the time. You're right. It, it wasn't that thing, but <laughs> take some distance from it, live a little, get a, have a couple of paychecks under your belt. And you start to realize like, this is just incredibly privileged people, um, bitching. And I kind of love that about it. And I think that they, I, the one thing that I think gets overlooked though, is John Michael Higgins does a really solid letterman with his physicality. Um, but they screwed up his hair so weirdly that it's distracting and it's difficult to watch the movie for me just because of hair, which is so strange. Hmm. My wife said the voice bothered her. Mm. She's, but she said the same thing. She's like, well, he's got the, you know, the mannerisms down. And like, I'm just, if I'm just watching him, not listening. Um, and I don't know if that's just because maybe unfortunately for, uh, uh, Daniel Roebuck, who I only know from like, <laughs> uh, he was, and this is going to be a spoiler for you, Chris, if you've not seen Lost. I think he was on one episode or two episodes of Lost, <laughs> and then it was like blown up by dynamite. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I just I just pulled up his picture, and I had no idea that was that. I do remember him from Lost. I have watched it, and <laughs> yep, never would have made that connection. I just remember it was like, wow. Like, you know, he, he gets on this, you know, at that time, like, you know, the, the uh, number one, like, show on television, and he gets, like, punked out. He gets, <laughs> <laughs> he gets like the Mace Windu treatment where he just gets a ridiculous death scene. Um, I think maybe, you know, John Michael Higgins uh, having gone on to be in more, you know, comedies is like, you know, sort of like a designated hitter that can bring off, you know, the bench just to like punch up a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that may have played into it more with my wife, but uh, she, she very much was in line with what you were saying and that she would kind of come in for a little bit, watch a scene, especially like the Kathy Bates stuff. And then just sort of like walk out of the room and like, you know, she, she was not engaged with like, you know, what was going to happen <laughs> <laughs> decades ago to Leno or Letterman, you know, doesn't really care. I, and I, I think that, uh, I probably felt very differently about Kathy Bates as a young man where I was like, God, what she's like. I, I love watching her in this thing. She's great. Now she's the hero to me. Now <laughs> at the time I'm like, God, that, you know, that's the, the evil woman who like stopped David Letterman from, you know, getting to to take over for Johnny Carson to, to have like the, the rightful heir. And now I look at it and I'm like, you know, I always thought Leno was a, like a weasel and incredibly unfunny, but now I'm like, still is. Yeah, definitely still like, well, I mean, I, I wonder like why they didn't, and maybe that's just changing times that people really wouldn't care, but yeah, you know, where was HBO when they could, they could have done this with Conan, you know, they could have had that turned around like <laughs> you know, a decade ago and do the, the sequel to this. But now I look at him as incredibly ungrateful that you have this incredible attack dog at your disposal to just like demolish everyone and everything in her path for you. And he just wastes it. He just, he just lets it go. Like, you know, just so he can do his stupid comedy. Like imagine Leno <laughs> getting the tonight show and then giving up on it because NBC, you know, won't give in to his, or I guess in this case is like manager's demands. How does that change his reputation? Like, is he, does he become some like some sort of crazy wild man of comedy that he like, he got the thing that every comedian <laughs> wanted of his generation and then just like fucking threw it away. Just like, ah, oh, fuck that. Don't need it. <laughs> um, 
I, you know, I, I maybe, I guess. Um, but a, a side note that I think I need to touch on. Did you read Bob Carter's book? Either one of them, Late Shift or The War for Late Night? I've read both, but it's been, I, you know, I, I, I will admit that I, I'm pretty sure I saw the TV movie before I read the book. Now that so the Conan one I've not read since I probably read it like you know the month it came out. Mm-hmm. Same here. Much yeah. like this material, even like <laughs> now I'm looking back, I'm like, why did I give that much of a shit? Like what happened to uh, like Conan O'Brien? But I, I did. I, re- I really did so much so that when he got a show on TBS, me and my wife flew up there to go to a taping. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, uh, I've only ever like been like we did the Thirty Rock tour. Okay. And so I've just like have just stood <laughs> like in the rooms <laughs> and they're just so incredibly small. Like I, I wonder like especially like where the uh Fallon does the tonight show. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I don't I don't know if I'd want to be like that close. Like Fallon could see me like judging him when I don't <laughs> laugh at something. Like <laughs> I would it would almost probably force me to laugh, like out of like politeness sake. Uh that was the biggest takeaway I had. Same with S and L. I'm like, wow, this is just a really small room. They, they are very small rooms, and when you're actually in there, um, you kind of go off the energy of the room. And for me, I was so just distracted by looking at everything and kind of watching the producers and everything else that I didn't pay that much attention to the actual show itself, mm-hmm. that I, it was just so surreal to be in there. And then looking around because it's this big soundstage, but it's uh, – so it, you know the soundstage where they were shooting Conan at the time, I don't know if it's the same stage or not. It's where they filmed The Goonies. Um, on that same soundstage. So it's this huge room, but they have it, you know, partitioned off into this small little area. Um, but everything's incredibly dirty in there. Like all the floors are dusty and everything <laughs> looks really cheap. Then you watch it on TV and you're like, it looks great though. How the fuck do they do that? Cause it looks like it's Wayne's world, um, when you're actually in the room, but then for whatever reason, the way they photograph it, it looks great. That would be really disappointing. Like, as, like from your point of view, then you're, you're seeing what these men fought over <laughs> it's like I, I think dingy Wayne's world okay yeah the, uh, after that um i you know because when he got his new show i was watching it all the time and then pretty much after that season which i think was the second season when we went up for the taping at tbs kind of stopped watching after that point i mean it was long enough ago that when we went to that that melissa mccarthy was the second guest after topher grace oh shit uh <laughs> So yeah, yeah it was a while ago. It's been a bit. Yeah, Topher Grace, uh, last role, uh, head of the KKK and uh, Black Klansman. He's pretty great in it, though. You know, he's good, but he he may want to you know may want to turn those wheels a little bit. Like he's <laughs> he's he's kind of getting. Uh, and I always thought that he may be typecast into like squirmy, slimy <laughs> white dude. <laughs> well, and, I mean, if you got something, lean into it. At least, you know, aspire to Patrick Wilson. That's you know, <laughs> We can't all be Patrick Wilson, though. And I respect actors that know their lane. Um, and when they try to get out of it once or twice, and then they go, okay, that, that was a bad idea. We're going back to where we're comfortable. The Keanu Reeves in the late 90s. A lot of bad, weird mistakes there. Now he's back doing what he should be doing. Oh, there's one. Um, and I don't know how the... Uh... It'll probably, you know, dear listener, it'll already have happened. I'm, I'll have made Chris watch it. Cause for for John Wick Week, I wanted to uh, dial up Feeling Minnesota with Cameron Diaz. Like I, 
that was the first press screening I ever went to. There we for, go. All right. So you've already heard Minnesota. it. Another yeah. classic uh, from us. Another <laughs> take, you know, on a film that most assuredly no one asked for. But by God, if someone is searching for filling Minnesota podcast, there we are. Number one with a bullet, I assume. Uh, I was going to say, like, uh, another guy you like, uh, I think, James Spader. Oh, of course. Yeah. Do, you, do you remember when he, like, like late 90s or, like, early 2000s, he, like, bulked up? And tried his hand at like being an action star. I can't. There was like a sci-fi movie where he was like completely ripped, and it was just no, I it was incredibly off-putting. Because I'm like, this is not the <laughs> guy who can't sustain an erection from the Soderbergh movie. What what is this? Let me see if I can find it. See, uh, he has that lane that he's really good in, where he's either creepy for comedic sake or creepy for creepy <laughs> sake. Well, I mean, he certainly <laughs> was creepy on that uh, particular. Uh, it's a movie from 2000 called Supernova. Oh my goodness! That sounds familiar. Oh, God. Actually, just, I tell you what, just look it up on IMDb. And the <laughs> first poster is like, or the first picture is him like flexing, and it, I mean, just monstrous arms. Really? It is. Uh, it is awful. Jesus Christ! <laughs> that, that's weird. That is the only thing I remember from that movie was <laughs> James Spader was cut. <laughs> and I was like, uh, no, no, sir. I, will, <laughs> I will not watch that. Huh? And it's even All got, right. uh, Peter, uh, Fascinelli in it from, uh, my hero from, uh, can't hardly wait the hero of that story. <laughs> and I still couldn't be bothered to, uh, to see that. Fair anyway, enough. late shift. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like, this is something that, I mean, not only the TV landscape of the time where you could, <laughs> you could basically boil down to, it's going to be this guy or that guy. And even right. when they're talking about the idea of like Fox is this like up and coming network that, Hey, maybe there could be four people battling it out. Uh, they, they, they probably got it in right at the buzzer, right? As far as that being something that could move the needle. Cause it, like what your example is Conan, as he moves to TBS and, even though they made a big deal about him moving to cable, it really, I don't think it really was any different. Like the Conan fans no. that you just watch him on TBS. And now has he even, he's transitioned to even like just doing more like bits, right? They can just be cut down to like YouTube size clips. He's doing uh it's a half hour version of it. I don't think he's doing a monologue anymore. I haven't watched it. Um, there was a thing that came out on Netflix, Conan without borders. And I watched that and really enjoyed it. It was actually pretty damn good. But then, yeah, I, I I'll, I'll listen to his podcast, but I don't watch his show anymore. Not a big fan of his podcast. Don't really like him encroaching <laughs> on this space. <laughs> I don't feel like it's a threat. Uh, no, I tell you who I like is his assistant on the podcast. I would She's rather great. I yeah. would rather the podcast be you know the have, two of them. have Conan. Don't even have him on the show. Just have Conan <laughs> and just have it be his assistants running his life. And that's the podcast is they can just talk about him and talk about the world like they inhabit, like just sort of being in his orbit. I think that would be really funny. That, that would there. I think they could both pull it off, though. Um, yeah, she's actually she's really funny. And the other the hipster guy, I can't remember his name offhand. Yeah. But no, I I, I enjoy him. So I don't mind his interview style. I've always liked it. And him doing longer form interviews, I think, actually suits him a little bit better. So I, I wish he, and I think that might be what he's doing where it's bits and then a actual, you know, 10, 15 minute interview, which is a little bit better. 
Um, but yeah, it's still, that would be a little bit too short still, I think. So with these two movies, don't you have to admit <laughs> then that morning glory? No, I don't. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Whatever hold angle on. you're going for. Isn't it far more accurate and relevant to its thing? That morning sort of junk television than what lace shift is to, as far as the stature of it, like, you know, it, they're acknowledging that it's junk and <laughs> you seem to be offended that poor Harrison Ford is this fictional <laughs> man's man. Like no, no, it's, it's not that he, okay. So it's not that he had, they sell him as this guy that has integrity. And so I think the filmmakers and the writers, they don't know what integrity is because the one Jesus, moment, Chris, the, put that on the poster of the commercial, <laughs> the one moment where he has his story that really, you know, that shows what true journalism is. It's gotcha bullshit about an affair with a governor. It's, it's seems like it's something, not even a good YouTube clip. What he has, no. he doesn't even, uh, he just sort of waits just sort of ambles along and then just basically they move the camera over and like, Hey, look, the police are here. He's going to be arrested. Uh, that's it. That's my thing. I, yeah. Um, I see, I think, <laughs> I think that sort of works against the film because the, the what they use is like the big moment, the sort of grand gesture <laughs> is him like cooking. <laughs> and that's like the, <laughs> the hero moment. <laughs> oh my God. What is he doing? Sorry, I just, this is Mike Pomeroy's having a nervous breakdown on air. That's kind of big news. ...their afternoon repast. Something they could make using whatever ingredients they had available. Holy shit. I've been making frittata for about 20 years now. Ever since I was taught how to on a naked weekend with a beautiful Italian movie star who shall, of course, remain... Nameless. Occasionally I make them at home, but only for people that I, people I really care about. <laughs> now the key to a great frittata is a very hot pan, because that, my friends, is what makes it fluffy. And, and his, his voice. Is it, it sounds like a bad impersonation of a Harrison Ford. Uh, it, it sounds like somebody impersonating Han Solo, not actually Han Solo himself. Him adding distance <laughs> from <laughs> the thing he's doing. <laughs> I'm not really here. <laughs> I've sent a representative, a part of me here, but I'm not. I'm not all in. But that's I, a lot of his career, though. You do get the feeling that he's never really invested in it which is this the third time now that he's teamed up with a jj abrams joint Let's say what force awakens this. regarding henry he wrote holy shit you're going way back on that missed that one regarding henry that, no, that, that's when harrison ford still cared it's pretty good no i mean he did the fugitive after right did he care then yeah, yeah okay. he cared then yeah definitely. what's the cutoff what do you think well, <laughs> Star Wars definitely falls on that side. Sabrina? Uh, you think the Sabrina remake? That's pretty. It's a pretty rough one. Because after um, that, what, six days, seven nights. Yep, that's a. That's a really. I would need to look. That's a. Without looking at IMDb and pulling them up, that seems like a good line. Because pretty much everything after that that comes to mind, 
there's there's quite a few misses. As I think that's, that's around the time he got his ear pierced. I think six days, seven <laughs> nights. I think that's like the the, the Samson when, tragedy there. Yeah. Is it when he married? Um, oh God, what I can't even remember her Allie name. Allie McBeal. Allie McBeal. Yep. <laughs> because we don't know her name. I actually know her name. It's Calista okay. Flockhart. I'm I'm not well an ass like you. I will <laughs> give her the respect that she, I guess, deserves. <laughs> Wait a minute. Supernova was directed by Walter Hill. Huh. Uh, I think he was kicked off that one. Uh, he took his name off of it, it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to look at James Spader, fucking freak show. Like, him and Barry Bonds, like their heads just getting huge and small testicles I, and all that. I'm weirdly curious about this thing now. <laughs> well, I just assumed it would, you know, you'd have a poster like in your closet or something, like your little private, like, man cave. <laughs> Man, <laughs> well, no. the fact that you have this—if you go to IMDb, this has nothing to do with the late shit or morning glory. <laughs> but uh, Supernova, the fact that on IMDb you can see that image, which really—I mean, I, you know—I don't think <laughs> unless you're like <laughs> thinking about it that you're going to be like, "Oh, that's James Spader." I think you're just going to keep scrolling. But you have that version of him, <laughs> and then you have like the sad, like bald, like blacklist version. <laughs> <laughs> like right at the top, like starring James Spader. Uh, man, life goes fast, doesn't it, Chris? <laughs> you can always tell when it's the second hour of recording. <laughs> man, gets a gets a little bit looser. You ever seen this movie, Supernova? <laughs> James Spader's a tank, man. I haven't seen it myself, but here's my ten minutes on it. <laughs> Um, okay, but to get back to your original question about I no, I do think that the late shift, yes, it's not relevant to today, but it is an accurate and honest portrayal of what was going on at that time and acts as a time capsule when this shit actually mattered. Um and I guess Morning Glory could be seen as a time capsule of not that long ago when news didn't matter either. And maybe that that should be the lesson to us. So maybe uh, <laughs> Morning Glory is a more important movie because it needs to be a wake-up call. It's a call to action they never intended, but it is there. So you're positing that Morning Glory's failure, a movie that you despise, has put the country in greater peril than if it had been a box office success. <laughs> if it had been a box office success, yes. Absolutely. What no no Trump then no <laughs> Fox News just goes down. Well, it, <laughs> or, or maybe Trump just decides at that point to go to morning TV, and we never get through any of this stuff. I mean, that's that, what he wanted anyway, right? It was it was all it was all marketing what, for his you know to get know. a paycheck because he was supposedly pissed off about. Um, Oh God! I, the the girl from The Voice, Christina Aguilera, getting a bigger payday than him. Is that it? That's that's what I've heard. Extina did this to us. <laughs> the dirty girl. That is. Yep. Man, I you know never much cared for her when she was you know in my demo of what I was supposed to find attractive. Was she, she was never in your demo, dude? We're I think we're pretty close in age. No, no I'm not saying age. I just I, I hold you in higher regard than that. I and actually don't know whose demo she was in for a brief time. Do you, do you remember that like sort of? And we're kind of uh, we're, no, I'm too old for that. Okay, we're you know I'm way in the weeds on this, but like 
the things that you see as a young man and you're like, man, I'll be glad when this is over and <laughs> then we'll never this come back shall to pass. it. Um, yeah. Like that. I, I mentioned that, like, you know, that, I guess early two thousands, like I'm not Britney Spears like thing. She's like, I'm yes. going to distinguish myself from Britney Spears by being as trashy looking as possible. Yes. It's like, that's come back like that, that look where you're like, okay, yeah, this, this will go on for a month or two. Like anything with like Pete Davidson, any sort of like picture you see of this man, he looks like he walked off the set of like an early two thousands, Christina Aguilera video. <laughs> Does he? Yes. I mean, you, you halfway expect him to be like in a urine stained bunny suit or something. <laughs> I mean, that's just like his face. That's what it reminds me. <laughs> Pete Davidson's face reminds you of a urine stained bunny suit. <laughs> My vote on this episode goes to Morning Glory because for 90 minutes, I was happy and charmed by Rachel McAdams, and I didn't think mean thoughts like, like that. I thought, I thought nothing but mean thoughts for 90 <laughs> minutes. I actually took out notes because I didn't want to forget <laughs> how much I hated this and, and walk down this path with you and go, okay, I guess it wasn't as bad as I thought. No, this movie's fucking foul. It's terrible. It's unwatchable. I, I watched it on Pluto, which is a streaming service uh, through Roku where they just randomly put commercials in kind of like crackle where there's obviously not mm. a guy push the button. So yes. it just comes up in the middle of a scene. And I found the commercials for uh, whatever it was that we kept popping up. It was for um, some cheap insurance company to be a relief. And I was enjoying that more than I was watching that film. It was really unpleasant. So unless you have a clever way of having me vote for that. I, I can't come around on it unless there's a way that you think that's a better or more thematically appropriate film. I, I can't think of one. No, I think I'm just happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just pleased with everything you just said and felt. <laughs> I don't need to win. <laughs> I've already won. <laughs> you won <laughs> through my displeasure. Wonderful. Alright, I think I need to start programming a couple episodes about weird little shits that you'll hate. <laughs> it ain't hard, man. It's not hard. <laughs> We're going to do a Hal Ashby retrospective. Oh, yeah. What do we do Harold and Maude with? I'm sure I voted against it. But... Of course you did. Probably Lolita or something? I can't remember. Well, of course. I mean, let's <laughs> let's get something I can understand, right? <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. <laughs> I may move that to the front of the show. <laughs> Go ahead and do a master cut and put that one before Pervert Park. Oh yeah, did I ever tell you I got a uh, a DM from a guy who I think blocked me after? Um, uh, he didn't even have anything negative to say about <laughs> Pervert Park, but he was just like, uh, "Hey Mike, you know, really like the show. Uh, 
I think that was really weird that you just uh, ended it and didn't tell anybody. And uh, your last episode was on something called Pervert Park. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? There's been like eight episodes since then. I was like, it was months ago. What, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, but no, it's the last episode. For whatever reason, his feed on his like podcast player wasn't updating. So he spent the time thinking like, well, that was their finale. That's the last time I'm ever going to hear <laughs> the was swan song. <laughs> was Pervert Park. They didn't mention anything about like, this is it. But he was like, yeah, I just think that's kind of weird. That's how you kind of wrapped up your show. <laughs> No, no, that that wasn't in the cards. It's going to be a slow, slow death rattle over years. So just one episode every nine months. 